Hello. Let's go for a ride. Here we are. Ninth story. <laughs> on the Ninth Story Podcast. A couple episodes ago on Red Horse, you, and I agree with you entirely, you, you were talking about mainstream comics and how nobody does new heroes. It's just, you know, rehash of old heroes. So you're John, Dr. John Towers takes over at Marvel, at DC, at whatever. Your first day on the job, you do what? I... And now, the conclusion. Giddy up, Horsey. Your first day on the job, you do what? I, the honest answer would be, I would realize that the comic companies that are out there making money doing comic books, they're not a comic book company anymore. They're doing advertisement for their cinema, their cinema arm, right? So I probably wouldn't do anything because the business model seems to be working pretty well. And I would like to make a lot of that money. (laughs) So you walk in, you're like, Hey, everything's um, going great, guys. All right. Just keep it going. Let's go. I <laughs> so know. That, that's your answer? I, I'm give, I give you carte blanche. Oh, I see. You guys are all whores here. Well, <laughs> let me introduce myself. <laughs> you 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 have a you have an opportunity to go in there and say no, Dan Foydick, Mister Head Writer. I want you to in the next two years come up with five new characters. You don't do that? You're just like, no, I mean, hey man, this is a cash fucking cow, and where's my office? No, and how just, much? I used I'm to have principles, and right. then I saw the I was trying to draw a contrast between the the art of a yeah. comic, like the art in the writing aspect of yeah. a comic it, yeah. compared to what they do. Like, they, you know, they're not in it to sell big new ideas. They're, That's right. You know, they're in it to make sure that next month you're going to buy their fucking comic book. Don't you right? think they've made enough money already, though? Shouldn't they have some integrity I would, at this I mean, point? I would like to go in and be like, hey, you know, we're going to... Uh, have a big crossover event. We're going to tell everyone it's going to change the way that our universe runs. And through the crossover event, I, you know, we're going to fucking kill some major characters. Yeah. We're never ever going to bring them back, and it's actually going to change something. But what they do is every year they go, we're going to have this major crossover event, and it's going to change everything. And then it winds up not changing anything, <laughs> and everything that they did change unchanges. Yeah. Yeah. Do the thing, so I mean, and they do that. So I mean, this is definitely your, per- this is your milieu. Yeah, this is the. I mean, you remember Crisis on Infinite Earths and the the what ifs and the what does and right. the, all those series. And mm-hmm. do you remember? Um, I just found. I, I, I mentioned before that um, I recovered some old comics. Do you remember when Amalgam yeah. was done? It was the mm-hmm. DC Marvel, and they did that whole crossover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought. Um, I thought it was. For the restrictions that they had, yeah. I guess it was it was cool. It was a neat idea. It was a neat idea. The stuff that they were doing, and it's, you know, back then, it, comics were so incredibly competitive that people would be like, "There, there's no way we're ever going to see, like, these two huge companies working together. Yeah. And then yeah. they both were like, oh, yeah, well, guess what? Fuck you. We're doing <laughs> that, all these comic true? books. I mean, is that, is that, is that the backstory yeah, on that? I, I mean, I think that... I don't know if that's the backstory, but that's definitely the way it came out to me. Because that's right about the time when all the the Marvel guys left to do Image. Okay, okay. And, you know, Dark Horse was coming up with all their licensed uh, stuff. They were doing the Aliens versus Predators and and all that kind of stuff. And everyone was... you know, being wildly competitive. And yeah. then it's like Coke and Pepsi going, hey, let's uh, make this new fucking soda and, you know, kind of shake everything up a bit, sort okay. of. So so just to restate the question, on your first day on the job, you would do nothing. I mean, it would be like... F- How about if I gave you 180 days on the job? It would it would be like fighting the tide. Yeah. You know, you, you know everything that I would... Pushing back the ocean, as I used to say? Yeah. You'd go in and try to change things, and they'd kill them. Yeah. Yeah, I would be like, they would fucking back into the left, you know, me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a fair point. 
Hey, I just wanted to give you your form to say this. We is got what a good do. thing going here, <laughs> yeah. Towers. What the fuck you doing? They would. That's that's true. They would do that. Yeah, that, that's no, right. There's no I in team. And just because you're the just because you're the boss doesn't mean that you don't answer to anybody. I mean, those, yeah, those guys. Great point. Great yeah, point. and it's like, well, DC's owned by Warner Brothers, and I mean, how are you gonna? Bobcat no. Goldthwait proved that in Scrooged. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so one. So last I guess I'm question. too. I'm too much of a realist to answer your question in any kind of. There's nothing way. wrong with that. As I as I as <laughs> I mentioned fine, before, man. pragmatism and realism is perfectly fine in the world of the ninth story. <laughs> I, I'm good with that. Okay. If you want, go to the tenth fucking story. If you want. If, if you want to have a tenth. If story. you want out there ideas, go. It's a go, secret right, story. Hop in the elevator with Victoria, and she'll take you up to the tenth story. And that's, well, that's the elevator she, doesn't go up that far, but there is actually a tenth story. That's where shit. It's wacky. All right, last question. Um, John talks a lot. Doctor John Towers talks a lot about politics, and and and, and John and I talked about this before. So, um, oh, where you guys are going to fight? No, 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 not at all. I, I I want John's perspective on this, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. I want you guys to yell at each other and pretend like it's we're, real, and we're not be really uncomfortable. No, well, no, because we're not going to yell. Um, so I'm going to set this up. Um, I'm going I'm going to ask you the question, and then I want you to ruminate on it. And then I'm going to read something to you. Okay. My question is... While you're is, ruminating. My, my question is, I am anti-liberal because... And then I put an ellipsis in there in your honor also. <laughs> <laughs> right. that nice. Was, that was in your honor. See, I, he's a man. Yeah. He's like, fuck you. Here's three dots. <laughs> I, I am anti-liberal because... And then I then I want to read something to you. Okay. And this you, comes from... Craig, it, you're, you're anti-liberal? No, this no, is, this oh, is for... Oh, he's anti-liberal because... Yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah, got yeah. you. Yeah, this is. Yeah. He's putting words into your mouth. Trust no, me, it's and, better and, than putting other things and, in your mouth. No, and this is this this will be fun. It's in it's. This is That's what from, he said when he tried to put something in my mouth. Right. So I I've I've mentioned uh, my fondness for the West Wing many times. Mm-hmm. On you know in in my professional life, I used to talk about it at work. I talked to Dan about it before, and and I was just telling Dan this the other day. The reason why I was such a fan of that show is because it. I'm a big fan of politics and I'm a big fan of writing and Aaron Sorkin is a great writer and I thought one of the good things that he did about that show and people a lot of people who criticize the show never got past the fact that they that Sorkin was a liberal but he also did a really good job at presenting the other side and after Sorkin wrote for the first four seasons of the West Wing and then there were another three seasons after he left the final season a, a, a guy who we both love, Hawkeye Pierce, Alan Alda, played Arnold Vinnick, who was a Republican candidate for presidency. The final ep- the final season of that show was about Jimmy Smith's, you know, running as the Democratic candidate and Vinnick. And I always said to people, if there was a Republican out there that was like Arnold Vinnick's character, I would fucking vote for that guy. Because the writers of that show always went right down the middle, despite what every, everybody always looked at that as a liberal lefty show. But they tried to do a really good job at presenting both sides of the of the argument, like we talked about before, about being pragmatic. So there was there's this there's this great line of dialogue from an episode called Ways and Means. It's from the the third season. Uh, of the West Wing and uh, Mark Feuerstein he's on that USA show about the the doctor who makes house calls or something you guys wouldn't know him if you saw him and he's his, his this character doctor makes house calls his, his name is Cliff Cowley and he's a re- he's a Republican and he's dating somebody who is working in the Democratic White House this is the stuff I'd cut if we were editing yeah, and, and she says to him you know basically you know why are you why are you so anti-liberal and his quote or his response back is great. He says, "Because I hate poor people. I hate them. They're all so poor, and many of them talk funny and don't have proper table manners. My father slaved away at the Fortune 500 company he inherited so that I could go to Choate, Brown, and Harvard and see this country isn't overrun by poor people and lesbians." Okay, hang on a second. Let me see this. No, hold on. I'm still. I'm still reading. Oh, you're still I'm reading. I'm not done. Oh well, that's please. only halfway through don't, the quote. Don't let me Daniel. grab your thing from you. Yeah. So, and then he says, "No." I'm Republican because I believe in smaller government. The country was founded on the principle of freedom, and freedom stands opposed to constraints. And the bigger the government, the more the constraints. Now, I will say this as a Democrat, that's something I identify with. And that was where I thought, like, I'm a, I, I've identified myself as a liberal, but if that's the argument from a conservative, I'm entirely 100% on board. Yeah, with I mean, that. and I get that. That's you're right. That is the thing. If your argument is I'm anti-liberal because it should be about less constraints, I am all in. Um <clears throat> so and I just wanted your take on that because it's like cuz I think I, I like we talk about a lot of it is right down the middle on things and it gets so far f- blown out of fucking proportion. It, the 
the question is it's a huge question right yeah, it but is. the the tent pole that i stand under from a politics point of view is and i was a i was a kid i remember being in a car with my dad who's a bearded marxist um and asking him <laughs> and asking you know we're having like a politics discussion right yeah, yeah. and um we were talking about for, of all fucking things we were talking about this by the way i don't think your dad has a beard does he well no <laughs> But uh, I do, ironically. Right. <laughs> He's a gherkin. So uh, I was asking about the speed limit. And I'm Mark like, why do we have gherkin. these speed limits? Who cares how fast we drive? Right. And he's like, well, you know, he w- is wrong, first of all. And he says <laughs> it's about safety. <laughs> <laughs> Speed limits are not about safety. First of all, let me preface this by saying he's completely <laughs> off base. Didn't you talk? Didn't you talk about this on the show? <laughs> well, I yeah, talked it, about the speed limit on yeah, the show, and yeah. I'm like, holy fuck, he's right. Yeah. That is right. I'm a, I, and that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, I I am open to things. Like, he's right. There was a reason why Nixon was, did that. It was the OPEC. it was it was it was, it was economy. The it was fuel economy. Yeah. That's right. So, um, and I I remember just being like, well, who? Why are people telling us how fast we can drive? That's stupid. Like. Yeah. And that's kind of where I come, like, my tent pole that I stand underneath is, leave me the fuck alone. Just leave yeah. me the fuck alone. You know, it's not the government's, uh, they should not be able to tell me what kind of light bulb I put in a socket, how much water my fucking toilet flushes, you know, uh, what kind of car I should be able to get. Um, you know, they should not at all be uh, have access to any of my medical records uh, as easily as they're yeah. going, as so, they're going so, to. So great point. Not, and not to interrupt your answer, but I want to read you another. This is another bit of my, you know, because I do bow at the altar of Sorkin every now and then. Now, this is a good thing where, it, but he actually, this is a bit of, this is a bit of dialogue who that's uttered from a, a liberal candidate. And this is, again, why I feel that Sorkin did a pretty good job at making his argument. So this is uttered by uh, Sam Seaborn, who was played by Rob Lowe on the show. And he's the he's a Democrat, obviously a huge liberal, and he's talking to people within his own party. And he says, last fall, every time your boss got on the stump and said, it's time for the rich to pay their fair share, I hid under a couch and changed my name. I left Gage Whitney making $400,000 a year, which means I paid 27 times the national average in income tax. I paid my fair share and the fair share of 26 other people. And I'm happy to do it because that's the only way it's going to work. And it's in my best interest that everybody be able to go to schools and drive on roads, but I don't get 27 votes on election day. The fire department doesn't come to my house 27 times faster and the water doesn't come out of my faucet 27 times hotter. The top 1% of wage earners in this country pay for 22% of this country. Let's not call them names while they're doing it. That's and, all I'm saying. And, that, and, I, and, and that I'm stats like, out of date. Well, well it's, it's from 2001. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great point, but it's like, that's where Sorkin was like, okay, he gets it. Right. Even he's like, listen, I'm not. Let's not call people names. Yeah. It's fucking reality. That, that's where I'm getting to nowadays. Where like, I found myself being really dismissive with people. You know, like calling my father a bearded Marxist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I found myself being like, oh my god, this guy's so full of shit. Did you see this stupid thing he just posted on his social media? And I, you know, I'm. I realize that I'm part of the problem when I do that. And I need to just back up and be like, well, he just doesn't see it from my point of view. It doesn't make him a moron. That's what's missing in today's politics. If you go back to like the 60s, you go back to the 50s, the 40s, what politics used to be about was debate. I have a point, you have a point. And we talk to each other and we meet in the middle and we do it like gentlemen. We do it like men. Now today it's like, well, you're a fucking asshole because you believe this and I've just totally disregarded everything you say. And and we don't solve shit that way. And whenever I go home for the holidays, it becomes like this barbed thing, you know, where my aunt's like, oh my God, the Republicans here and and shit. And I'm like, you know, why why is it like that? You know, like... um, That's the damage that labels do. Well, and I think there's a lot of problems with like I think the 24-hour news cycle does that I, and I, I think that the way that the the media I believe the media is left biased and yeah. I believe that that is because of it I think the one of the biggest parts that why we're like that is because the majority of people that we have to try to identify with and engage um, get their news from Saturday Night Live and fucking Jon Stewart right. and, and you know and you know in this, we live in like this edited reality where yes. we're looking at a movie and we're like, okay, well, this is a movie because you know guys are running around with laser guns. But when we turn on the TV and we see like a news setting, you know, we're programmed to think about that in a different way. Did you know the Not- Summer Olympics that they actually played sound effects? No, they added it so that you could hear sound effects. <laughs> That's funny. I, I don't know that that's a hundred percent true, but this is what I have read and heard. Well, yeah, I know. And, from, and to your point of being in, like when you talked about that on Red Horse about it, us being in an edited reality, 
there was someone that mentioned that, hey, you know, what we do is this because right. it brings you into the moment. It makes it more intense for yeah. you. Yeah. It's not real, but like you are, you know, your your brain's engaging with it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just, I'm starting to get to this place, you know, and I'm not being like, I'm turning over a new leaf, but I am trying to like get to this point where I'm like, hey, this guy's a, a liberal. That means that he is insane. You know what I mean? And, you know, I wish that people would be like, oh, that guy's a Republican or that guy's a conservative. He must love dirty air and dirty water. And he must <laughs> wa- he must want to kick my baby and my dog. And, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's the great point. And, and not to not to just belabor, because Dan and I have always said, like, hey, yeah, let's not talk about politics too much. But, you know, I, I've always like the, the job that. And, and this is coming from my perspective, as, as I've mentioned, as a liberal. I look at John Boehner, and I'm like, yeah, you be a, be a jackass as part of the Democratic Party and the Liberal Party and criticize the guy. But the guy has to do a fucking job. I mean, and it's a huge job. And I don't care who's in that seat, because you have to wrangle in the far left and the far right of your own party and get something done. Yeah. And that's where I get – it's like, it, get off his back, yeah. you, you know? And I think that we – when we talk about politics as a culture right yeah. now, we we oversimplify it. Like it's left and right or far left and far right, right. and left and right. right. And I think that we're way too – we need more gray area in there. We need to fill in these blanks because if we're talking about conservatives, I would point at John Boehner and say that guy is not a conservative. He's a big budget Republican or a big mm-hmm. government Republican. That's right. That's right. So, That's right. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of work we need to do. And I just I'm not I'm not convinced we have enough time to figure it out before you know the whole thing goes down in a fucking flaming shit house. <laughs> Fair you know? point. So so to answer the question, I am anti-liberal because I'm just kidding. It's all no. It's all it's all about big big government, and little government. So I mean, it's about the constraints. So yeah. so you're so you agree with Sorkin? He nailed it for you. Yeah, I mean, so to speak. It's probably the first it's time a, I'd ever say that, but yeah. yeah. But but that's the thing. Like <laughs> yeah. And and the reason why I go back to that is like. Because this this story this this show is about writing, yeah. and it's like right. okay, Aaron Sorkin did a pretty good job well, capturing. And if he didn't, it would become a w- weird cartoon where yeah. all the Republicans were twirling their mustaches and wanting to kick babies and Which pollute is, the water. The funny thing I mean? is, that's how a lot of people look at it. Now, yeah. now, now, since you went down that road, one of my teachers when I was when I was in school, actually, one of the assignments was. Talk about a television show that you like, or pull something out of here. The guy, he's a fucking doctor, like yourself. <laughs> and he says to me, and and this is allegedly objective. It's a in a school. Like it's a, it's an educational setting, and his thing is like, I hate that show. Talking about the West Wing, right. that was his first comment to me. I hate that show, but you got you got it right. Yeah, you know, and that's what I would do. It's like here's here's an analogy of ethical decision making in a in a business setting and I, I, I yeah so. I've self identified as a conservative since 1992 yeah and um I went through art school for fuck's sake so I mean I've I've fought those battles in the educational arena with you know you want to find a liberal yeah. you know you throw a rock in an art in an art oh college, amen you know what amen I mean? yeah amen so so <laughs> last thing I got before we get on on this topic. Um, true story, and this is this this goes back to a true, lot of true my, story, bro. Yeah, true story. <laughs> nineteen whatever. I was in. It was somewhere between nineteen eighty six and nineteen. I'm going to say it was nineteen eighty eight. I was it was in Erie, Pennsylvania. Lou Tulio, who was a Democratic mayor of Erie, which is you know Erie, Pennsylvania is it's it's a crucible of well democ- the unions, of, yeah. right? Exactly, it's right. Democratic politics across the board. And Lou Tulio was he had been the mayor forever. I actually, because I was a registered Democrat, he sent a letter to anybody who was registered to vote and said, in this election, please don't vote for the Democratic candidate. Please vote for Tom Ridge. And you, you guys know Tom Ridge. I mean, he mm-hmm. was a congressman. He was originally from – eventually became the governor, and then he went on to work for Homeland Security. Yeah, right. Et cetera, right. Yeah. He said, listen, he, Tom, Cru- or Tom, R- Tom Cruise – <laughs> yeah, vote for Tom Cruise. Tom man. Ridge is a Republican, but he's a Republican that I've worked with for blah blah blah. So and so in my own party is a fucking whack job, wow. <laughs> and that's not what it said. But that's how right. that's how my political opinions became informed. It's like you can do you can do that, yeah. and but nobody does that anymore. Right. They did that in 1988. That was like as as a Democrat, I was always a big fan of Ronald Reagan. But I was a fan of Ronald Reagan because Ronald Reagan was against Tip O'Neill was the Speaker of the House when he was there, and he was a Democrat. They beat the shit out of each other during the day. But at the end of the day, they would go out and have drinks. Yeah. They got shit. They were done. men, and, and they got shit done, and they were men. That's and, right. That's right. That's exactly There's actually right. a, a, a t- 
ton of huge, uh, funny stories yeah. about him and him and Tip O'Neill. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. After the work day, you know, right. goofing off. Yeah, it's like Wiley Coyote and the and the Sheepdog. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. But and that's the thing. It's like. And that doesn't happen anymore. No, and to your point, probably won't ever happen again. And if it doesn't, then who the fuck knows what's going to happen? And, and yeah. you know, you've covered this topic on your show a couple of times. I mean, that's what we've we've <clears throat> pussified the men of the of of society. You have to be so polarized. Right. You know, it's like here we are, three guys in the room. We got a libertarian, we got a conservative, we got a Democrat, and we can all get along and, and talk through issues. And and that's what it is. To be a man. And two of us are bearded. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, Dan, when are you going to grow a beard? I actually, tri- I actually, uh, actually trimmed it a little bit. Then. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, letting it get personal is a surefire way to, to kind of hand in your man card. That's right. And I always think of... Um, uh, the Dirty Dozen is one of my favorite movies, right? Mm-hmm. And in the movie, uh, Lee Marvin's character has a rival... Uh, off army officer who's trying to always like steal his thunder or whatever yes. and he has this speech where he's looking at the guy and the guy's fucking pissed <laughs> and Lee Marvin's character goes you know I used to think that you were just a cold hearted you know mother lover <laughs> but now I see that you're quite emotional <laughs> and that's what he fucking tell the guy <clears throat> that's, no, that's awesome. a great I mean like and, and the, the thing is in basic, in the Greeks knew everything, and they taught us this. Yeah. That in basic argumentation, once you make the argument an ad hominem attack, where it's just against the person, mm-hmm. your argument loses everything. And I, unfortunately, I think that's where we are today. Yeah. There, yeah. nobody argues the facts. Nobody yeah. argues the issue. It's it's all it's a personal attack. It's like, and that's what, like I said, this, and well, I mean it. I like to, I love to talk to people who. You don't have to agree with me. Please Absolutely. don't agree with me. But That's at least you come learn. back to me and and have an educated argument. I mean, well, that was the thing like we talked about before. Mike Sarah, um, you know, he and I used to get we we talked about. It, but I'll do that all day long. I like, like to do that. Like the there's the there's a movement in the way American politics are played now. You know, where it's Saul Linsky, the rules for radicals, and both sides do it. Where mm-hmm. you know they freeze their target and attack the target. To draw, yeah, yeah. you know, so we're not talking about the politics. We're talking you about take the issue John out ba- of it. We're talking about John Boehner's fucking spray tan. That's instead, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like it's ev- it's it's everywhere. It's yep. just fucking everywhere. You take the issue out of it, and and that's the whole point. Is it's supposed to be about the issue? Yeah, we've turned ourselves into a bunch into a, like a fucking sewing circle. You know what I mean? Bunch of school children. Right, and it goes back to the fact in tying it back to what we do. It's about the story. The yeah. issue is the story. Don't make it about the person telling the yes. story. It's the fucking story, not the person. Not it's not the narrator. The narrator isn't the story, and that's what we do. We, there, we, we oftentimes do. narrators are unreliable. Exactly. exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. 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 Fantastic. So Why your don't... answer to that quick now. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna drag me back <laughs> in. I'm gonna drag you back in. <laughs> Just when I thought I got out. So uh, I, I apologize. My five questions for Dr. Towers actually ended up being seven. Well, but, they were great questions. They were great but, questions. But John yeah. acquitted himself nicely. Very nicely. Oh, thank I you very much. Great disposition. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Why don't we take a quick break and, and then we'll come back. Okay.
All right, welcome back. And uh, just as a reminder, we have Dr. Towers in the studio with us today. What up? We have a pretty long show going here today, but I think it's all yeah. pretty good. What do you? What, what, what's your what's your call on uh, Matchot Melanie? What is, what is it? Go, oh, oh yeah. that's it. Oh yeah. That's it. I think I actually have that same sound file. Don't steal it from Red Horse. Come on. I, I played it first. Yeah. If you want to find out what we're talking about, John, where can people find that? Oh, uh, www.redhorseradio.com. Or, as always, you can just go to www.johnnyaxx.com. Yeah, you got a ton of cool shit there. You got church. You got... I got everything. Do you want to tell them how they get in touch with Melanie? Probably not. No. That would be cross. Yeah, I think we... Yeah, I'm just kidding. That's a joke anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm like, I, I'm not sure she would appreciate that. Yeah, she probably wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, do you, I don't, you know, I know Melanie from back in the, but I keep wanting to, I don't know if you guys were Arrested Development fans. Oh, yeah. But every time I look at her, her image on Facebook, I want to say, hey, Melanie, you just blew yourself. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'll save a little time if I blow myself if I blew myself before dinner. Oh, that's horrible. Not to not to and, and I won't say, I promise we won't stay on this very long. Did you happen to catch the last with the the season they did on Netflix? I tried to, I couldn't get all the way through it. The the first I thought the first three ep it was like the first handful. Yeah. I'm like they're they nailed it. Yeah. They're they're back. But then it really unraveled. Yeah, like I it yeah. It like it tur- it fell apart really it fast. It did. It really yeah. did. The, the first couple episodes I was like, "Oh man, they got the magic back." And then it it completely unraveled. And then I found out after the fact that none of the actors were ever together. They filmed all that shit separately. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah they did it all in bits and pieces. That's why it's like this is, you know, <clears throat> this is Job's story. Right. This is Michael's story, and that's why it all But there was the one part where um uh David Cross's character, I can um Tobias, and he's dressed <laughs> the as the thing. Did you see that where he was like the thing? No. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and they and were they, all they were like street superheroes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And they did that thing like where it was that it was a take on the um, the thing that NBC does where they catch the child molester in yeah. the active thing. And he walks into his house and he's got the stuff on him. He's like, "Can somebody help me get my rocks off?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was one of the best things I ever saw. And that when he was going to the methadone clinic and he thought he was going to an acting class and it was method one. And, <laughs> It was like again that 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 was I'm a big fan of that show. Yeah. So anyway, back to Melanie. I just blew myself. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. You know what? I think we need to break this into two parts. We're at an hour and a half. We should we should do we should do one hour and then maybe on Saturday as a. Well, as, you're a master editor, so you can definitely. I'm not editing this thing. We're, we're, this is that's this the is, rule. That's the no, rule. Yeah. We got towers in the house. We're not editing. Okay, so fair so so. What, maybe the the one edit that I will make is I'll go back to one hour and I'll put this in. All right, folks. It's one hour, Mark. We're gonna go ahead and all break this, this into two parts. All this time travel. That's right. right. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna end it now, and then uh, for those of you who want more on Saturday, the second part comes out. And I'm gonna leave this in too, so that people know where it was in <laughs> in the actual continuity. See, isn't that clever? Yeah. That is, well, yeah, continuity is a big thing when you're doing a show. Yeah, because this is being here twice. Continuity is a big thing that, when you're. That's doing actually a show. very Arrested Development. Yeah. It's like we get to this point from two different points of view. Yeah. Continuity is a big thing. And people will be like, oh, that's where they decided that they were going to make this a two parter. Because I think we got some good shit here. All right. Um, So so let's go with with, uh, John brought uh, something for us because he's one of us that actually prepared for the show. Um, I did more show prep this afternoon than I've done in my whole Two years of Red Horse Radio. John, John was in the army. He, he did more show prep before nine o'clock than the, the rest most, of us. The did most all day. That's me. right. That's right. That's his respect for you, Craig. He's like, I don't think you so. know. Craig's going to be there. I got to prepare for this. It's like, a, it's like an interview. So we wanted to talk about male characters in film and literature. Hey, well, now see, now I tell you, so before you go on with that. Yeah. I mean, I was ner- I mean, honestly, I was nervous because. You were when, nervous? Yeah, when I'm facing off against John and we're going to talk about comic books, that's that's scary. That's shaky ground. <laughs> I think I think there should be a healthy uh, dose of respect. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's... Because he can like, kick your ass and mine. Well, well amen. <laughs> At I mean, the same I've time. Always, I've always said that. Uh, but <laughs> and, and still be drinking with the other hand. <laughs> but there's so many other things. I mean, the, the, there there is so much unexplored terrain that we could talk I mean we could probably sit down and talk about the Dark Knight Returns for like six hours yeah unedited probably but we won't 
<laughs> Thank yeah. you. Tune in Sunday for six hours of <laughs> Dark Knight Returns. Returns. No. Why Whoa. so serious? <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the. I'm talking about the graphic oh, novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not 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 Heath Ledger. And oh, Christian six Bale. hours total. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? I mean, because there's a lot of shit in that. That was. Every time I read it, I find that was a masterwork. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Go ahead. Sorry, we lost Dan there. Uh, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I was taking a nap. Dan's like Batman. What? Batman? <laughs> Best male characters in film and literature. And uh, John brought a box full of these. I have. He brought I've, a box full of men to this show. I've, he did. I've assembled a list. Oh, that sounds so much better than what I just said. <laughs> um, He's the doctor. I'm, He's been doing this long term, man. I'm going to uh, start with Forrest Gump. I think Forrest Gump is a, one of the great male characters in movies. Yeah, really. That's um. I I don't. I mean, I would have. I I would have never said that. <laughs> I will say that. I mean, I can't disagree I, with. I don't you, disagree. With but it. I never would have thought of that. Yeah, see, I think, that's him, man. That's I tell the, you all. We most of this gets cut out of the show, but we'll sit there for like a half an hour and talk about how awesome you are, <laughs> and then I'm here. like, no, no I'm serious. And then, then one of us I'll, will go. They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, and your death will be indescribable. Yeah. And that it's fun. It's I think fun. the um, uh, he's got a um a quality about him. He's not macho, right? But he can whip ass when he needs to. Yeah, and uh, you know he would do anything for the, for Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's hello, a, Jenny. That's that's you know why. And uh, he gets We're your like sympathy because. Because of his brain and his his spine and his legs, it's like he's overcome. You know, awful. Is he know. like Charlie Sheen? Did he like just blink and fix his brain? <laughs> Hello, Jenny. Guess what? I've got tiger blood. Do you have anything constructive to say about his DNA? About uh, about Jones Jenny. entry there? You know, like peas and carrots. I I, I don't um I don't I don't I don't disagree with that. Then that that is great because. Um, it speaks to a lot of the stuff that Americans find compelling about a character. Yeah. You know, the whole, came, you know, not, I don't want to say rags to riches, but overcame something. Yeah. He's the underdog. You know, Absolutely. He, he's the underdog. And I think he appeals because he's not macho. Like, I didn't look at the list as like, who's macho? No, or who's my favorite? You know, if it was me, I'd be like, well, the best male character ever is John McClane. Duh. <laughs> See, and that's and you're you're exactly right. That's the misnomer is that to be a to be a man, people think that you have to be like oozing testosterone, and right. and that's not being a man has changed from like if you go back to like the 40s and the 50s, it's not about that. It's more about like what you're saying. It's like doing the right thing at the right time and and being. Now, don't get me wrong. I do have some macho guys. Well, there's nothing list. wrong with yeah. that. But that's, and, that's and I'm not looking the forward to that because, because I think that um, to your point. John McClane is a macho and a, one of the greatest action heroes ever. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Big fan. Die Hard is one of the, <clears> that's in my top ten also. Um, the first one. I like, don't get me wrong, I, I like the other ones as well. Does he end I, up I, I, barefoot in every fucking movie? I like no, the just character. The, just the one. I love the character. Yeah. But the reason why, there's a humanity, a humility, There, there's a moral compass within, and I think that's what. And he has that underdog thing where his, yeah. he's barefoot. Right. Now. And insanely outnumbered. You know what I mean? And, but he's the guy, he's the uncompromising. He didn't be like, hey, I'm just going to ride down on this elevator with his body yeah. and turn myself in to try to help my wife. He was like, no, that's not the way I'm going to handle this situation. I'm going to raise some fucking shit and I'm going to kill everybody in that room. You know, I remember. Yeah. And I don't know if he's on your list, so I don't want to jump ahead. But I remember you're allowed again, to add to the list because I'm older than you guys. I'm going to keep bringing that up. When Die Hard, this was before Die Hard even came out. Uh, Bruce Willis was on Larry King's show. Um, now there's a man. Yeah. Well, hey, Larry King is a man. The guy, I, he I is respect man. his suspenders. I, I respect the fact that a guy's like 87 years old and he gets like 22 year old yes. women to marry him. Yes. Like, so there's something going on. Anyway, I'm tired of that. How about I marry another one? Kazakhstan. Hello. Welcome uh, to Larry King. Right. Um, Bambi from Cincinnati. You're on the air. You're my next wife. Come on over. Bruce Willis from Moonlighting is on. Your question is, hey, Gary Busey, what do you think about pussy? Uh, uh, you know what I like. But, but Bruce pussy. Willis talked about Put it on the a character. Sandwich. About it's an or he's every man, yeah. you know, and he does these and he doesn't do anything superhuman. And I'm like, well, that sounds because there was there wasn't a lot of hype for Die Hard when it first came out. It was I, I, this is, you know, kind of 
against the grain, but it was a low-budget summer Hollywood film. It came out in like late August or Do whatever. Do you know uh, it was? It's also a remake. Is it? Yeah, it's based on a book called The Detective, and in I believe the '50s they made it into a movie starring Frank Sinatra. I don't know if the movie's called The Detective, but there's a movie hmm. based on the story, and Frank Sinatra plays. The dude, I don't even think his name was John McClane in the movie, but what was the name of the movie? I don't know. I can't no. remember. But you can. It wasn't. On. It wasn't Die Hard, though. No, no. I don't, I don't know. See, but I'll tell you that's this. exactly to our point. The of reason why nobody saw that fucking movie is because Sam Giancana said, "Get that movie <laughs> off the fucking streets when, because I don't want that fucking guy." Nah. <laughs> when uh, you can look, I believe it's on the Wikipedia page. I yeah. think you can go on Wikipedia and, fi- and find out the details. I'm about. too fucking lazy for that shit right now. No. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry, John. Back to the back to back to the list. Okay. Um, the second. Oh, uh, James Bond. Which, uh, well, which yeah. Bond? Well, as, Roger, <laughs> Roger Moore as which, the character. I which mean, which one? He, so, so before we go into this, quick, quick take of the room. Who best Bond? I, I would I was, say the current Bond. I was born. Roger Moore was my Bond growing yeah, up. Yeah, I know. Me too. But, but I, I just, I, in you know, up until Pierce Brosnan, he was my favorite. But I think Pierce. Brosnan was is my favorite. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, and that's funny because growing up, Roger Moore was my first Bond as well. Um, but the, one of my best friends was like, Roger Moore's a pussy. <laughs> Sean, Sean, I mean, everybody's like Sean Connery. Eight is times Bond. a pussy. Yeah, and then I'm like, and and, and but my Powers favorite Bond for the long was For Your Eyes Only. I love For Your Eyes Only. I thought that was a great Bond film. Yeah. Um, and a couple of the other Roger Moore ones are okay. A lot of them are train wrecks. Really bad. Yeah. yeah what was the yeah. one where they brought Sean Connery back for one movie? Never say they, never again. And they never. They didn't call him. Didn't they call him like Jim or something the whole yeah. time? No, no. They called him James. They they called the, him James. The but, one producer actually owned the rights to Thunderball. That's right. And, mm-hmm. and, no and it's, one a re, it's a retelling it's a re, of, of Thunderball. Of yeah. Thunderball. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. And it ah, came out. Yes, which, come close. I'll put you on. Remember that was the whole. Face. The studios did the. They're gonna. I, that was probably competing against Octopussy, wasn't it? Yeah, they, it was they came of, out in the same summer. Yeah, they, they one of the, the Roger Moore Bonds. In yeah, that they one were like, out. we're gonna admit, we're gonna let the fans decide. And I was co- fucking confused. I, when I was, I like, I was like, what the fuck just happened? But there's a uh, <laughs> a lesser known uh, Kim Basinger is in Never Say mm-hmm. Never Again. That was one of her early roles. And that was the first time you seen Bond as like a. a broken down old man well like, yeah because he, he played him as without his hairpiece yeah and they had, yeah, they had that to, was the thing. he had to like he had to get like a psych test and stuff to yeah. like to get back on the job and that's something that they do to bond all the, the time job. now yeah like, when you look at like skyfall yeah oh, for that instance. was you know what I, I, I i'm i don't know how you guys feel i've watched all the bond movies I'm a big fan of bond i thought skyfall was a great movie because it can stand all by itself yeah even if you're not a fan of bond there's like an actual it's I mean Bond has always been kind of like about a little bit of kitsch and it's fun and there's you know it's not there's some serious elements to it but it's not like a serious drama it's not a serious story I think Skyfall was the first Bond movie that actually had like a pretty intense plot to it and there was there was actually stuff going on there where I could take somebody that has never seen a Bond movie, or maybe somebody that doesn't like Bond, and have them watch that movie and go, "That was a great flick." Well, which which Bond one is it? It's one of the Pierce Brosnan, and I did like Pierce Brosnan. I did. I didn't think well, I was going to like Steel, him. I always yeah. said, you know, he should play Bond. That and goes. Then every I, kid, I, I was like, there, I don't know if you know. I mean, this goes actually, back to the. He was. was. There was actually a clause in his Remington Steel that's contract right. where he couldn't play Bond. That's right. X amount of years after that, the show. Yeah, that's ended. right. Yeah. Because that was the deal way back in the day when Roger Moore was like, "I'm not doing it anymore." Everybody said. He, Pierce Brosnan yeah, is the Pepsi the next commercial. One. Basically, be, do you remember the basic, Pepsi commercial with the train? Basically, yes. Tim, Timothy yeah. Dalton would have never been Bond if Pierce Brosnan could have been Please. Bond at the time. But he refer, looked. Refer, but refer Timothy to him Dalton as, probably looks the most like the character Bond. Baron. Yeah, yeah, Bowen. I always. Uh, Damn you, Bowen. I always wonder why they take his scar away in the movie. In mm-hmm. the books, he has a scar on his face, yeah. and you know they they never really have that. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I've found interesting, and the way I got into it was because of Bond, was watching some of those documentaries on spycraft and you know that type of thing. And, and one of the things I remember, I don't remember which documentary it was that I watched, but someone that was a former spy was like, you don't want the very attractive people to be the spies. You want the people that are blend ordinary in, yeah. and just blend in. Right. If you had somebody that looked like, you know, Denim Bond, Elliott. they'd be like, oh, that guy's a spy. Yeah. It's, it's Marcus from, he'll blend in. Yeah. 
He he knows he knows every language. Right, right, right. He'll blend but, but, in. You'll but, never not, find before, him. Before you move Hello? On. Does anyone speak English? <laughs> what, which bond? More ancient Greek. <laughs> which, <laughs> yes, yes. which bond is it where, at the beginning of it, and this is this is it was the first bond after nine eleven in the whole realm of terrorism where remember Bond is in like he, he's been he's been kidnapped essentially this is the, this is the Korean it's, Pari- it's, it's Pierce Bo- Brosnan yeah this mm-hmm. is the Korean one yeah 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 do you remember what I'm talking about uh, is it Die Another Day The World Is Not Enough no no The World Is Not Enough is when he's fighting Ted Turner that's right that's right that's right is that the one with Robert Carlyle is the bad guy yes yeah from uh, um, Glengarry Glen Ross <laughs> you remember but, that movie but, but oh, of course but that was where I was like, wow, this is really taking a dark turn. And I thought that was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, because they, they capture him, and then they're, to- like, the first, the cold open is yeah. them torturing him. That's right. And, and then the, he comes out, and he's got the beard yeah. and everything. Well, because yeah, if you have a beard, you're going through crisis. <laughs> uh, well, obviously. <laughs> Even James Bond. Right. Exactly. 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 <clears throat> Uh, my next dude on the By the list. way, cold open. I like. I love the fact that yeah. John dropped that in there. That's awesome. I've always loved the cold open term. Yeah. Um, this one, this one's a bit of a macho. This one's a bit of a tough macho, guy. Macho, macho uh, man. Tyler Durden slash Jack from Fight Club. Yeah. I can't, I can't disagree with you on that. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that movie, I can't even articulate. I can't articulate one way or the other on that movie because Fight Club was, that, I was, blew my fucking mind <laughs> Okay, so I was growing a beard. When I, when I, I went through, that. I was going through a period of unemployment for like I don't know six months. Making soap. I was ma- fucking making soap That's at right. home because I was why I like I didn't I couldn't afford cable TV, so I was watching and the only DVD that I had at that time was Fight Club. I was, so I watched it again and I, again I, and I re- again. I and resisted again. it so much when it so first came I. out. So did I. I was like I don't want to watch this movie about the fight. Exactly. This fight club. Like right. I was like, oh, like a bunch no, of guys fighting each other. It's but that's such a need to watch. That's such a side. The whole fighting thing, yeah. like, and nobody gets that. No, yeah, it's, it's like that's just that's, just, that's perfunctory. It's, yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it's just. It's there. one of those things. Like when I finally watched it, I was like, "Why did I not watch this yeah. sooner? This is fucking awesome!" And so the first thing I did is I ran out and bought the book yeah. and read the book. And I actually, this is the one time in history where I'll say the movie is better than the yes. than the book. Yeah. yeah, we have an episode of that coming up. Soon. Yeah, I mean that is. Um, I when I saw that in the theater, it was a. I, I won't want to say it was a really dark period in my life. <laughs> Did but it was. I mean, I wasn't married. I, I was trying to grow a beard. It I was, had a fake beard on. Dude, it, was, it was probably one of those times in my life where I was, it was probably been the longest I hadn't shaved. Um, but, I, you know, it was, the, it was that period in my life where I, you know, I wasn't married. I wasn't dating. I was listening to a whole lot of Nine Inch Nails and watching <laughs> and watching Tyler Durden yeah. films. That's pretty yeah. awesome. And, and, and we but both the thing caught was like, that at the same period right, in our lives. Right. And I was like, that movie is fantastic. Yeah. It's just fan. And, and you can't. And it's funny because. Obviously, it's, you know. it's, it really is like art. It's the kind of thing like I'm look at it, yeah. look at it for two and a half hours. It's yeah. the, I'm not going to tell you anything about it's it. It's the vulgar display of power, right. of David it, Fincher. It, it's it, like it nothing he's done since then is anywhere near as it, good. And you know what? That's funny because I throw Fincher <clears throat> into that category too. He was one of those guys where it's like, holy shit! If David Fincher's involved, I got to watch yeah, it. Yeah. I don't that's going to be the case genius. anymore. It's yeah. not. It's not. Nah, it's, it's like not. He, you might make the most historically accurate and visually stunning motion picture about the Zodiac Killer but if it's fucking boring right. if, it, if it's a piece of shit it's a piece of shit I don't give a yeah right because, but Fincher that was a, he was in that he was kind of in that like we talked about before that John Carpenter arc where yeah. it was like the guy couldn't do anything right. wrong because Fincher's seven right yeah I mean he's seven yeah and he so he, he did what's in the box he had a he, say, hey, seven is a, one of the darkest greatest movies I can't ever. watch that movie I'm, but once maybe every four years yeah, yeah I, it's, that, it's, it's, it's it has it, it has limited rewatchability yeah, I was just going to say that it's not rewatchable, whereas Fight Club is. Right? Oh, I, I, and then, yeah. And it's funny because after you watch Fight Club the first time and you get the twist and you watch it the second time, they tell you it's yeah. all over the fucking yeah, yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it when they do it. <laughs> and, and that's the funny thing about Fight Club, too, is like, I don't know about you two, but when I got to the end, it and is he's a great like telling comedy, him, by the way. What's that? It's an overlooked comedy. Oh, oh it's yeah. hysterical. Oh, yeah. It's wildly funny. <laughs> right. yeah. It is. It is. But when he gets to the end and he's like, he's like, you know what it is. You know who I am. Yeah. And I figured it out, too. And I'm like, no, it can't be. I love it when he, he starts shooting at him and he's like, whoa, you're shooting at your invisible friend in front of a fucking moving van full of C4. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when he shoots himself in the mouth and he's like, what's that smell? Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, my next one. Uh, I think that you guys are... I, I put a little bit of time into this one. I think okay. you guys are going to like it. Travis Bickle. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. 
Absolutely. Like, I it, mean, remember we we did a we did Travis Bickle. That's De Niro's character from Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. And we that that I, I know who you're talking about. I didn't know that was like he's got that name always falls out of my brain. He's got the underdog factor because he's a fucking lunatic. Yep. Yeah, uh, he's a lunatic. He's got the the uh, the black and white view on right and wrong, even though he's on the wrong side of it sometimes. Um, and the way that he goes and he's trying to help Jody's Jody Foster's character yeah. through the whole movie is yeah. it's really touching when you watch it. even though I mean the guy's a complete like lunatic you know but you see he's like he's identified her she's in trouble and he's like I'm gonna fucking help her yeah and on the way I'm gonna go and blow this guy's head off yeah <laughs> I mean that that that's a movie I, I always looked at that John is taxi driver is it's that's a challenging film. Be- and, and, and it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's. I hate to say, it's the challenge of great literature. The, the, the person watching it kind of has to be up to, up for what the story is about to tell you. Because to your point, you can dismiss it as just a. This is what he's doing. He just wants to. He wants to get the girl, so he's going to shoot. And this is the only. But there is that whole other side of the story that's compelling. Yeah. About the I'm going to save the Jodie Foster character and, that nobody bothers to stick around for. And he's like, he's through the whole movie. He's like reaching out and trying yeah. to like build relationships That's with right. people and he just is too crazy to do it like he finally gets um mm-hmm. the girl to go to the movies with him yep. and instead of like taking her to go see a movie they go <laughs> to like a porno porn. theater yeah. right. and he's like sitting there eating and he's like making all this disgusting like viking gruel food <laughs> to eat and like no one's gonna want to sit there and watch you eat that dude you know what i mean so uh he's like he's one of my f- you know favorite favorite characters it's a, it's it's a great and we talked remember we talked about that mm-hmm. in the um we did we did an episode on night story um early, very early on where we talked about the greatest lines in cinema history yeah. and we talked about the you talking, you to, talking me? to me um but then roger ebert who that's on you know roger ebert loves that movie yeah um and and he talks about it's actually the the, the lines that come hated, after hated that, that where it reveals how desolate the character is. Yeah. And that's what makes you feel for it. Because otherwise you're looking at it as like, and as we talk about a lot, he's just a fucking psychopath. Right. And he yeah. gives a shit. And You've got to build the humanity behind the character. Despite the fact that but, he's all jacked up. But he's, I, but it's not in he's, a bad way. He's not a psychopath, really. He he understands right and wrong. Yeah, fair, that, uh, fair point. Yeah, yeah. that's a sociopath, right? Yeah. yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah, I guess it would be sociopath. Psychopath would go far outside to manipulate instead mm-hmm. of like being like just the force of nature he becomes at the end right like when he goes to that pimp like there's nothing on earth that's gonna stop him he's just like I'm gonna fucking kill everybody and save this and girl it, and Harvey Keitel's the pimp isn't yeah. he yeah yeah he shoots him in the face he's the wolf the wolf he shoots the wolf he shoots the wolf right in the face and when I was a kid I'm like how did they do that special effect it was you know way before computers and stuff and I found out that they you just, know they were they were in that method acting school and they actually the hero shot actually him shot him in the face because <laughs> Harvey That's Keitel was like no Harvey Keitel right. no Bobby shoot him in the Bobby face. I want you to shoot he's me like, in the face I'm one of these New right. York method actors <laughs> right. just fucking do it right Lee Strasberg <laughs> who taught them he's like no really to sell this you gotta shoot him in the face That's Harvey right. I'm sorry if you can't take a bullet in the in the cranium you can't do it uh, my next one is I'm going to jump around a little bit because I want to save one of these to the end. Okay, uh, is Edmund Dantes, the Count of Monte Cristo? Whoa! Oh. Ah, nice. Like, In just, literature or the movie? Literature. Or both? I would assume it would be literature. Yeah, but the movie's not that. The movie's the, actually a good movie. Neither. They were even made it a few times, but the two that I'm aware of are bad. I'm talking about the one with Guy Pierce and yeah, that's um, not. That's not. I don't think that's terrible. It's pretty. It's pretty close to the original. I think they threw the. The paternity I mean, test in there. I don't think that's in the book. No. I mean, but I mean, in fairness, dumbass is pretty hard to read. <laughs> I mean, you're translating from French to English and you're in a different era, too. I mean, I've read the book. It's, it's a great story. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes that's that's what tells me if something that old is a great story is that I'll stick with it. Yeah, because yeah, it's and got everything. fight my it's way like, through that. It's got like um, a wrongful imprisonment. Uh, it's, a re- it's a revenge movie, which everyone can get behind. There's a great love story in there, and I think those are, you know, those are male-y kind of things to to have in your. Yeah, and, and what is cooler That's than great stepping choice. off a balloon? What's better than stepping off a balloon and saying greetings <laughs> and just walking away? Like, all right, well, you know, I mean, the guy knife fought pirates. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we created the balloon. The balloon was my idea. <laughs> Now, uh, I have one here. He's a historical the figure. The demon. They actually made a movie about him as well. Is it Gene Simmons? No. It's T.E. Lawrence. 
Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, um, I, oh, fan, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he was a tough son of a son of a gun. You know, it, that's one of those things. Where it's like when you read a little bit about the real character, yeah. and then you look at Peter O'Toole. Right. It's like that might Miles not have O'Toole. been the best choice. <laughs> he was great in it. Though. Peter O'Toole, yeah. I mean, is a great actor and and, and does the role well. But it's kind of like. I don't know. It's just one of those things like, hey, Hollywood casting. Yeah. You know, it's the, yeah. There's two. He's fantastic, but O'Toole could, you know, there's, if you said, hey, I want you to be this red solo cup, he'd pull it off. <laughs> there's two reasons red he's on my solo list. Wow, uh, One is basically the British army was like, hey, you need just to go and find all these Bedouins and figure out how to unite them to fight for us. Yeah. And he fucking did it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like he went out in the desert and was like, I need some help. And he like got all these guys to all these warring tribes to unite, you know, to take up arms, which is it's awesome. It's an awesome feat. And the second reason he's on the list is because he's got one line in the movie that is the best line probably ever. He's in a bar and he's putting matches out on his fingers and his friends like, doesn't that hurt? How do you do that? And T. Lawrence goes, you just have to not mind the pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. That's it, awesome. It, 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 it now, up. isn't isn't that didn't that also foreshadow what G. Gordon Liddy did back in the day to impress himself upon the Watergate guys with the whole "Hey, I'm going to hold my hand over." Oh, I'm up. sure. Yeah, I think he did I'm because sure I think he right. used that line like "You just have to not mind the pain." Yeah. I think that was the thing because Liddy did that. That's the old story about he put the lighter under his palm, right? And and did it, and people are like, "Holy shit, Gordon!" That's crazy. Yeah, yeah and he was like, "You just no, it's mind over matter." Right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so apparently he saw Lawrence of Arabia. I guess. He, and G. Gordon Liddy is a man's man. Yeah. T. G. Gordon Lawrence Liddy. is a man's man. What does that man? mean? I'm a, man. a man's man. <laughs> I don't want to be a man's man. I want to be a lady's man. Come on. Now you're rehashing your own stuff. Didn't you, <laughs> you talked about this in episode 12 with Jessica McHugh. I did. Yeah. All right. I got two. That's what it's called. A callback. I got two more. Uh, Captain Ahab. See, now I see, John, you say Captain Ahab. And I immediately go to the whole thing about what the exchange you and I had about uh, uh, Starbuck and Boomer. And you were kind of like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> which, which is one of the things I love about John. John, has, that, John, John and I had this thing. No, because he, <laughs> made, he made a comment. We were talking about Moby Dick. There was something <laughs> that, on the social media. Well, and well, I made a, lot, I just I made got a couple Boomer. of references. I just got interviewed by E. Carta. Yeah. Give, yeah, give everybody and, the backstory. Uh, yeah. I was talking about in the interview, I was telling Megan... Um, that when I was seven years old, I adapted uh, Herman Melville's Moby Dick into a comic book. Nice. And there's actually a link to it. It's on the it's on the web. Sweet. And I think that I was talking about it on social media. And, and there was, Craig was like, "Hey, do you think right. Battlestar Galactica, you know, stole the name Starbuck and Boomer from the Pequod?" Yeah. Right. And, and John was uh, like, "I was like, yeah." He was like, "Yeah." I always thought it was an homage, and I'm like trying to be clever, and, and then and John got back to me like immediately, and I and it was kind of one of those, mm. you know, I thought I, thought I got something over on the doctor, you know, and and like I and I always tell Dan this story about, do you remember the time when I was telling you, you about Real Eyes time? And yeah. you were like, "Yeah, fucker, you, what, are you an idiot?" I don't remember. I, I mean, but I remember like vividly, like. He was so embarrassed. I've got this. I mean, have you ever heard of this guy? And John was like, "Really? Yeah." Well, I mean, uh, Will Eisner, are you an idiot? He's got. uh, (laughs) They have a whole award named. Right, it was the Eisner. (laughs) Right, and it's on. It's on the back of the book. Uh, The 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 I'm like John. Look at this graphic novel. It's like this is awesome. Um, And you were like, he was a. Of course, he he was uh, like Frank Miller. Yeah. uh, Names him as like his mentor, yeah. so I kind of found you, him did, through. I, I, and I assume you did you ever not to get off track? Did you ever read that the plot? Because that's because um, that was Eisner. It was I think it was the last thing he did before he died, and it's that talk about something that touches a fucking nerve. <laughs> no, I mean, because that's care. a whole Henry Ford hating the Jews. I mean, oh, he yeah. put, there's a whole plot. I mean, literally, it is a plot about right. anti-Semitism. Yeah. I'm like, that's... There's a lot of that. Joe Kennedy wasn't a fan oh, either, Oh, I mean, apparently. like, boy, that is touching nerve, but done marvelously. The artwork is fantastic. I'm a big fan of the black and yeah. white, which I assume that's what Frank Miller, when he says Will Eisner was a huge influence, I assume that's what he's talking yeah, he, about. Yeah, because he does all his Sin City stuff is black and white, and, but just pops of color. And, amen. Yeah, yeah. Amen. amen. And he's not a... He doesn't... Like, I do cross-hatching, you know, like where you do, like, cross marks to annotate depth or color mm-hmm. or field. Frank just says, when in doubt, black it out. Yeah. And I'm sure he learned that from like the old spirit stuff. Like it looks a lot like that. So, so 
not again not to beat this to death but you know back to the um you, conversations you and i've had when when i try to get back into doing art it was completely whoa whoa hold on my mic just went crazy it was completely because of frank miller yeah the, his frank miller's artwork is he's just, he's kind of fallen out of grace with yeah, the geeks I, nowadays I, I mean but i mean back in the when yeah when the sin city stuff was popping yeah i was a big fan of frank miller um and i, I always said nobody makes a stripper look as good as frank miller. <laughs> <laughs> all right so was, go ahead captain ahab's on my list uh vengeance-filled, tough, old, you know, leader of men, sort of. He doesn't really have a love story in it. Um, he's kind of like an inverted love story. Like, he's totally obsessed with finding this whale that killed his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, it's the quest. Yeah. So, uh, I, f- I have him on my list because of the- those items. I don't know if he actually really belongs there or not. Well, no, I, I agree with that. And, and, and um, I recently saw, and Dan and I were talking about this uh, yesterday, I think, and we were talking about prepping for the show. Um, I just saw an article, or uh, I'm sorry, I just saw an interview with Jerry Seinfeld. And Seinfeld, he's 60 years old now. And they were were talking with him about why he never got back into television. He was basically like, well, what am I going to do? I, I, I hit. What the, am I going to do? There's, there's nothing. There's nothing else I could do. We Have hit the jackpot. Have you heard of the show called Seinfeld? It's <laughs> so wacky. <laughs> What's the deal with sitcoms? It's been uh, all over my social media. It's a situation that's comedic. <laughs> um, anyway. It's all over my social media that they're doing some kind of reunion show. They just. I think the reunion was. Uh, at the at the George Super Bowl. and Jerry, yeah, Super George Bowl. and Jerry, and oh, then, okay. I then Newman, that, yeah. and they popped up. They went up. to, like to monks essentially, and it wasn't even monks. It wasn't, it was, but it was it's Joe's yeah. something. But but anyway, I mean Seinfeld. I mean it's like I have a I love hate relationship with Jerry Seinfeld. I think the show was good, but you know anyway, he talks about that 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 passion that you have for anything, and and he's clearly that way, right? You know because it's the when you're an artistic person that is all you focus on and he kind of bre- breaks that off into storytelling and it's that's it's very um analogic to the ahab, ahab character yeah. where it's like it consumes you it's like and it, and it, right thing. and it's the whole thing it's like it doesn't matter how much money you've made it doesn't matter this it doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you've been when you eat sleep drink that's what you do ahab could and went, that is a man's man that's the thing that's the that's why it's a compelling character ahab could have went out on the ocean and killed a hundred regular whales right but if he but he, he had to get he would that be like whale. just throw them over the side i right. don't even give a shit about those ones we need yeah. to go find this white that's, one that's right yeah. that's right that's right and that's what i love about and not, not to get off the subject, but it's like, where's all the white whales at? <laughs> Dan and I talked about this before. It's one of the things that's so compelling to me about super villains. And, super villain. Um, we, we, the, what do you do? Like, I, I put to put it back to the diehard thing. What do you think Hans is doing? Do you think if they got that stuff, do you really think they're going to be sitting on a beach collecting X amount of percent? No, <laughs> we'll be because a, he won't be satisfied with that. You know what I mean? It's he, like he Hans would probably hang out for like four or five years. That's my point. And then he'd be like, he'd open up Time Life magazine and he'd be like, hey, I have this idea. Right. Have you ever heard of Lee Iacocca right. you know, or whatever? <laughs> that, that's the thing. It's like because and that's that whole thing. Like um, I mentioned that that documentary Necessary Evil and they talk a lot about that, about the super villain. Yeah, because it's like. They don't know what else to do, and they talk about the the, the Heath Ledger line from Dark Knight. It's the whole. Just, I'm I, just chasing a car. I don't yeah, know what I'm going to do with it when I get it. That. Yeah, right. it's so big he doesn't. Know, yeah, 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 I don't know what I'm going to do. That's all I do. I'm just I'm consumed by this idea. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's and they really talk about that becomes the line between good and evil because evil people don't know when to stop. Yeah, because there's nothing that can satiate them, and they just keep going. And that really becomes the moral decision about, am I a good guy or am I a bad guy? Right. And that's really up to the viewer, the listener, the reader, the whatever to make that distinction. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know about that because, you know, good people are passionate about stuff. Well, that's where you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That is ludicrous. All right. I got one other dude. I got one other male, uh, my favorite male character. But anyway, just to underscore your Captain Ahab, absolutely, because it's just, that's the the guy who just is focused on a goal right. and I'm going to get it. I'm gonna, this is my objective and I don't care. Or I'm going to die trying. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> and my last uh, gentleman character is uh, John Galt from um, Atlas Shrugged. I don't know if you guys are familiar whoa, with that character. Whoa. 
But uh, that's very literary. Uh, talk to Mr. Weber. Here. You know that that I'll remain silent again. That Ein. <laughs> that what? Is, how do you pronounce it? Is I, it Ein? I call it Ein. Yeah, Ein. I think I think that's actually correct. Yeah. You know, she was a Libyan. She was a Libyan. Yeah. I'm just... <laughs> well, she was born in Russia. No, I'm just kidding. Now, so why? Why do you why do you say that? Um. Well, she when she her actually her whole literary. This is Atlas Shrugged, right? Cor- yeah. What's the, is Fountainhead? Rand. Fountainhead is the. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. That's one that came before. She, I think she only wrote those two yeah. those two books, and her she comments on her uh, career as she's struggling to write the perfect man, and John Galt is where she stopped, and he's a guy. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. Um, he's not a violent dude, and he does this uh, awesome. Like I'm, if you can find it or download it on your Kindle, I'm sure you could get it for pretty cheap. Atlas Shrugged. He has this like 20 page speech at the end of the the book that, I mean, he is talking about corruption in the government yeah. and um, you know people, you know people that make stuff getting taxed by people who take things, and to me it's just like it put the nail on the head and I mean there's a great love story in there oh yeah and he also gets tied down and tortured which also is a great male kind of tradition in literature and movies (laughs) yeah no no amen Um, I always found have you read either Fountainhead Atlas Shrugged or both through in in their entirety I've read well, yeah, I read. I try to read Atlas Shrugged like once a year. Yeah, so, just so you know, because um, I, John, I got to be honest with you. This is one of the things, and I talked to Dan and I used to talk about this all the time because allegedly, um, oh, uh, Ulysses by James Joyce is the greatest novel ever written. And I have it, and I bought it years ago because somebody convinced me to do it, and it's <laughs> I, and I can't get through it. I've have done the same thing with Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead at various points in my adult life. I've tried. They are very challenging. Yeah, and and I'm not well, saying. Yeah, no, because it's a huge book. Oh my god, they're it's, they're huge and it's they, ginormous. It, it yeah. really reads like political rhetoric, yeah. and it's political, it's philosophical, it's econ- it's all over the place. Very good. Right. But you kind of have to look at it like, am I reading a story? or Am I reading a textbook? Yeah. It's but that's why I always thought it was very challenging. I couldn't agree with you more that it's a great archetype of a male character. Well, those are my um, those are my. I just jotted down uh, the my favorite best male characters. And, 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 and I will say that the list is remiss because there is no mention of John McClane, uh, Martin Riggs, or Axel Foley. Yeah. Well, those, I mean, they were honorable runners-up. <laughs> I thought that they were typical. Yeah, I think yeah. that... If I'm I, just kidding. He, he went, he went kind of out there and he, he did. He pulled some That's some a great, really compelling... that is a great friggin' list. Um, yeah. And I guess that wraps us up for the second part of the mega episode of Night Man Story. Up. Man Up. Man Up, episode 13 and 13.1. Grow a beard already, will you? That's right, pussy. Come on, Dan. (laughs) Sprout some facial hair, you. If we could get one of these guys here to grow a beard. You're like a wee girl over there. I know. I'm not like you, Thor. (laughs) Um, I got got one question for you. We'll end the show with this. Since we're talking about men in literature. Your favorite show, Breaking Bad. Who is Breaking Bad? Is not my favorite show. Well, okay, <laughs> it's one of the shows that you're quite fond of. It's, it is that is that okay. is correct. So in that show, pick one character and tell me, out of all of them, who's the man? Mike Ermintrow. You are correct, sir. Yeah, I tell love me Mike Ermintrow. No half measures. That's all. That's all I got to say. That's I, nice. I love. Yeah, that's the whole. No half measures. That's and that's it. That's all. Well, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm issue. Say. I'm going to issue a challenge. I could go, yo, bitch. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not. Mike Armentrout was my most my, my guy. You, Mike Mike is the man of who that. Who is he? Jonathan Banks. Uh, is he, he the, the he, meth kid? No, oh. that's uh, that's uh. Have you watched? Have you watched? No, we don't want to spoil. John, it John will binge watch it over. Like, yeah, people have been trying to get me to watch it for years. I just, it's, it's a good show. It's, know. it's good. I'm not going to be with it's John. No, it's the greatest show. It's a commentary. It's a man. I'm not. It's worth your time. It's, it's worth no, it. It's no mash. No, it's not. It's no mash. Larry, <laughs> Larry Gelbart didn't write for Breaking Bad. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll close out with that. So I have a challenge for listeners out there. Those of you that are still with us. We have no international listeners that like the Facebook page. Jerks. Jerks. Hey, you know what? I like Iron Maiden. They're British. Yeah. 
Can't we get Can't we get someone from You know when we put an episode out The first person to download it Is somebody in France Can't that French guy Like like our Facebook page He probably can't read English <laughs> Well he's listening to our show Well you can hear English And not read it That's right Just ask Mario mm. Alright So So French guy um, or or, hey, or Canadian guy or British guy, which I'm assuming the British guys can can read the show and everything like that. Um, but if if it's the French guy, then you know you don't have to like the Facebook page. Why don't you just call us and leave us some French meth, uh, French message, French method, method, some French message. See, this is what happens when you drink a couple whiskeys and you don't edit. Um, but we have a phone number. You can call in and be like, "Oui, j'ai le français pour deux ans et ans." Um, we've given it out before. Let me see if I can find it here. I don't know where it is on the page. That's horrible. Are you still not editing? I'm not editing. 206-666-4822. That's in America, so put a one in front of it. But, hey, international guys, i got to prove to Weber here that you guys are actually listening. I show him maps all the time. I know you're downloading it, but he doesn't believe me, so... Why don't you shoot us an email at feedback at ninthstory.com or go to our Facebook page or call the phone number and just be like, <laughs> whatever you guys sound like in France. I don't know. I took French for a year. What else we got? Anything? <laughs> I think that's that. I think we, I think we've alienated enough. I'm, people. I'm leaving the global alienation up to you this week. Yeah, you usually do a pretty good job. At I do, it, but right. uh, you know, after two whiskeys, I'm real good at it. I don't know how to follow that up. Right. There's right. there is no follow up for that. All right, toodaloo then. We'll see you again. Episode 14 for, uh, what, Valentine's Day or something? The V-Day? Yeah, uh, the V-Day. Yeah. And listen to Red Horse Radio, too. I'm on a Red Horse Radio. That was awesome, by the way. See ya. You've been listening to the Ninth Story Podcast. A hicks and fabulous production.